All right, welcome everybody to episode three of the Gone Bridge podcast. My name is Andrew Gardner here with Alex Clausen and Steve Brady. How are we doing today, guys? Doing fantastic. Hope you guys are still doing living well. the dream. Still Excellent. living the dream. Let's Excellent. get into it. So, um, kind of a, a very quiet news week for the Red Sox. However, um, this episode is going to be um, a lot more generally based around the MLB and especially the Hall of Fame ballot, which just came out. Um, so, we're going to start with some brief Red Sox talk, kind of clean house here on some uh, details. Um, so, two things. Um, Chris Sale will not be ready for opening day, and Eduardo Rodriguez is 100% confident that he will be ready. Um, so, Clausen, I don't know if you want to start and kind of just give your opinion on things and just kind of kind of roll with it. Um, I'll say the start of the year doesn't bother me as much. I think I would rather have Sale be gone for the first, like, month rather than the last month um, or anywhere in between. So, um, I think when he comes back, he's still just going to make a huge impact. And then Erod, I'm glad that he's back. Um, I hope that he's not like throwing fluff at us and just saying that he's hundred percent, not actually hundred percent. Um, Cause we really need him to anchor the rotation. Um, if sales not back for a couple months or just in general. Um, so that's how I feel about those two. Yeah. I mean, um, Erod, I trust Erod what he says. I got a lot of confidence in that kid and uh, I'm looking forward to a big, Big next season from him. I think he'll be ready. As far as Sale goes, uh, I don't know if I just have lost faith in Chris Sale or what it is, but even if he's back, uh, the recent loss in velocity when he was like last able to play is super concerning because he's like a two-pitch pitcher pretty much with like a little bit of a, a third pitch mix in sometimes. But Chris Sale... I mean, we traded for him to win a World Series, and we did. So anything extra you get out of him, I guess, is, like I said, extra. So I'm not that worried about it. Yeah, I mean, I got to agree with you. Like, we got what we could out of sale, and I hope there's still his stuff in the tank because um, between 16 – no, 17 and 18, um, you know, he was one of the top five pitchers in the league. Yeah. Start of 19, he wasn't looking good at all. Um, so, yeah, I think it is concerning, but for me – I almost, I'm almost not happy, obviously, that he's going to be out, but it doesn't really concern me because um, every year that he's been on the Red Sox, he's missed time. And it's like, as the season goes on, he, he breaks down. Like it just it happens. Like he cannot make 33 starts for the Red Sox. Um, so obviously, you know, he, he gets his elbow all fixed up. If he can come back and pitch like even like 15 to 20 starts, like I would say that 18 for me is like the magic. Like that would be awesome. Um, I still, to this day, you know, signing him to an extension was one of the reasons why Dombrowski lost his job. Um, like, you know, that money could have gone towards Mookie. Uh, it was not a smart move, but um, you know, he, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about him. I don't know what to expect. Uh, I think he could still have it, but I'm not overly confident. And then on Erod, obviously really happy about him because I was super concerned about him. As far as the sale can, uh, extension goes, if you remember the offseason after we won the 2018 World Series, literally everybody got at least like another year or two like on the team. Like Steve Pierce got another like year. I think pretty much everybody did. So um, they were just handing out contracts. So Chris Sale is definitely going to get one. Yeah, I'm kind of taking the – go ahead. No, I mean like another guy like that is Eovaldi who just got, you know, four years yeah. in the- I think it was what, like 80 something million 
that was the most ridiculous one in my mind, especially most considering his injury history. Most of it, I think we can agree, was because of that uh, seven-inning uh, postseason game yeah. three, which was absolutely – 100%. But, I mean, he was not worth that money. No. See, swinging it back to sale, I mean, you guys are telling me his job's done. His job's not even close to over. He's got, what, five years left? Um, yeah, he's, you know. uh, he's, uh, he's got a full no trade clause through 2024. Really? Uh, and he's, yeah, so he's got five more years on the team. Um, and then he's an un- unrestricted free agent um, going into the 2025 uh, season, but he also is a vesting option. So I'm sure there's a couple of caveats there. And he'll probably make that extra $20 million to stay on the team for one more year uh, yeah. because it will always go against the Red Sox in some way. Um, but, you know, he, he, he still has ace potential. Um, yeah. He's only 32. Uh, you know, a lot of guys in the league like Verlander and Granke have shown that they can pitch deep into their 30s and still be one of the best pitchers in the game. So There are different types of pitchers, though, I think, than Chris Sale. Chris Sale relies a lot on his fastball velocity and obviously his slider is his number one pitch, but his arm angle, I think is the main downfall for like, or the reason for his injuries. I think his arm angle just like is not sustainable. He's like, what'd you just say? 32. Yep. I'm not saying his job's done Clausen, but I think in his arm might be. So hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, I guess I look at the Justin Verlander situation, like, what five six years ago like at the end of his tigers run you know he was getting shelled like he couldn't pit he was barely touching 90 with his fastball he really didn't have much command and then i think he switched up his pitching style so he was much more effective he was kind of more of a finesse pitcher and that's why he was so good the last couple of years um so spin i think if they went I, way up huh spin rate went way up yeah for, he really he kind of got years. away from throwing heat and just got to like got to throwing it you know more of a being a more finesse pitcher um, so I don't know if that's something that Chris Sale can do and, you know, maybe at the end of his contract, they can move him into the bullpen. If he can't keep pitching those, you know, six inning games for, you know, 20 starts a year, throw him in the bullpen, um, you know, use him every couple days and, you know, try and get the last of whatever's left in the tank. It's going to be one expensive reliever. Hey, I mean, whatever you can get out of him at this point, I mean, you've got, you've got the commitment to him, but, um, yeah, I I think that yeah, you just you basically got to milk them out. Just get what you can get, and then um, go from there. But you know, with with a guy like Tanner Houck, um, he's looking a lot like Chris Sale, and hopefully that within a year or two he can he can kind of fill in there. I mean, sample size is very very small, but um, we'll take what we can get. So I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on here. I just I don't really have an opinion on it. It's just he needs to prove himself again, at least uh, at least for me. Yeah, it just is what it is, and right now it kind of sucks. So, Classic Red Sox, classic Red Sox. Well, um, we're going to move on here to something I know we're all very excited to talk about. Um, so yesterday the 2021 Hall of Fame ballot came out. Um, a lot of returning big names, a lot of controversial names on the ballot. Um, an interesting selection of first-year players on the ballot as well. Um, so, Steve, I don't know if you have um, – like a list of who you, who you are going to vote for if you were a, a baseball writer um, or just some, some bold takes on guys on the ballot here. So my way that I'm going to view this uh, particular year 
is that this is the first year that a known steroid user is going to get in the Hall of Fame. And um, I think that it's not going to be Barry Bonds. I think it's going to be um, Clemens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think Schilling's going to make it in too. And uh, what are you saying? No, I was saying I completely agree. I think Clemens. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Schilling's going to get in too. And then, like, maybe somebody else will sneak their way in, like um, like one of the longevity guys. Uh, but it's kind of a toss-up because I think so many of the voters are so split on the uh, steroid issue. Personally, I think that it's just a product of the time. And there's so many guys that came out of, like, the steroid era that um, – regardless of whether or not they juiced would have been one of the, like the great uh, players. I think Barry Bonds is especially a good example of that guy. He was great on the uh, pirates before he allegedly started juicing and he was great after. So, I mean, I personally don't really care that much about the steroids. I think like Manny deserves to get in eventually. I think Sammy deserves to get in eventually, not this year, but uh, that's the way I'm seeing it right now. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, um, for me, it's it's an all or nothing thing, and if I was a voter, I would. Um, I don't I don't know how you can vote for Barry Bonds and not vote for someone like Sammy Sosa. Like yeah. I understand that Barry Bonds was so much better, and that's why he has so many more votes, um, like historically on the ballot compared to Sosa. Um, but if you're gonna if your grudge against both of them is that they both use steroids and they were both put up Hall of Fame numbers, then it should either be both of them get in or neither of them get in. And unfortunately, a guy like Mark McGuire already didn't get in. Um, So that that, um, you know, you can't make that up unless he, you know, they both get in and then uh, he gets in longevity wise. Um, But, yeah, there are five guys that I would be voting for this year. Um, However, I will be talking about why I think that most of them won't get in this year. Um, So those five guys, Kurt Schilling absolutely deserves to get in. And if he didn't have a Twitter account, he already would be in. Um, Roger Clemens. Barry Bonds, Todd Helen, and then my dark horse, uh, one of the best defense players of all time, Andrew Jones. Uh, obviously, I don't think uh, – I'm going to say I don't think any of them are going to get in this year. Uh, I think that there might just be um, no one no one to get in. That's going to be my bold prediction is that no one gets in this year. I can stand by that. I mean, the only guy um, that I really think is kind of a shoo-in um, – He's Kurt Schilling. He's right on the cusp. He's 70%. You need 75. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with such a weak class, I think it's going to shoot him over that extra 5% he needs. Um, but for me, I think this is really the perfect year for those steroid guys to go in. Um, Cause when you look at the incoming class, there's nobody that stands out. There's no, you know, Derek Jeter's Alex Rodriguez, like guys that were clearly the best players in baseball. Um, like it's really just a bunch of longevity guys. Um, so for me, I actually have a couple. So Kurt Schilling, I already said, um, the rocket, Roger Clemens, he's going to get his bid. Barry Bonds. Finally. Um, I think it's his last year on the ballot. Um, uh, I think he's, he's got one more after Oh, he got one more after this. Yeah. So I think he's going to make a huge jump. If he doesn't get it this year, he'll get it next. Mm-hmm. Um, Omar Vizquel has been a guy who's bumped up in votes every year. Um, he's taken a significant uptick every year. He's at 52% right now. Um, so I don't think it's unlikely for him to go up another 20 um, and then Andrew Jones is another guy that you mentioned, and I think he's got a good shot this year. Um, you know, I just think he's got a really solid resume. One of the best center fielders, defensive center fielders in baseball. 
Um, defense and center field certainly don't get enough respect in the Hall of Fame. Um, so I think he could get a good bid. Um, and then the one guy I want to talk about is Torrey Hunter. So I think Torrey Hunter, um, obviously great player, played for close to 20 years in the league. I don't think he gets in until Andrew Jones convincingly gets in. Because when you look at their the spread of their numbers, they're so similar. Like at the plate, they're practically the same player. But in the field, Andrew Jones was – I think you look at his defensive war, it was 20 points higher. Um, like Torrey Hunter's defensive war was like four and Andrew Jones's was 24. So I think if Andrew, um, Andrew Jones isn't making it and Torrey Hunter's jumping him in votes, then there's clearly no um, respect for Andrew Jones. There's no respect for defense and center field. Um, so I think um, Torrey Hunter is definitely going to stay on, but I think Andrew Jones is going to have to get in before Torrey Hunter gets in. Well, I will say this. Um, I think that, Andrew Jones, I think they both uh, – we'll see where Hunter goes with the votes, but um, judging off of what some of these other outfielders have gotten, I don't think he's going to he's gonna get the respect he does, at least in his first term. Um, uh, however, I don't think that either of them will get in until Schilling, Clemens, and Bonds are all off the ballot. So that would leave Hunter in his third year uh, – in Bur- or, sorry, not Burley. Uh, Andrew Jones in his sixth year. Uh, and I think that's when we might see some big jumps – uh, with those guys because they won't have the other guys uh, taking votes away from them. Um, so the, the incoming freshman class next year is Torrey Hunter, Daniel Hudson, Mark Burley, A.J. Burnett, Latroy Hawkins, Dan Heron, Michael Kadire, Aramis Ramirez, Nick Swisher, Barry Zito, and Shane Victorino. So, again, uh, very thin. A lot of guys who were just like, you know, they, they were around for forever. Like a guy yeah. like Latroy Hawkins, like. You don't walk into Cooperstown. You're like, yep, there's a Troy Hawkins plaque. <laughs> like, he, I feel like they just put him on there because they're like, thank you for playing for so long. Um, but the only guys uh, – so for people listening who don't know, you need 10% of the vote um, to stay on the ballot. Otherwise, uh, you just your name gets cut off. Um, the only two guys who I think that will happen to are Tory Hunter and Mark Burley. Uh, I don't know if you guys have a third or any other people you think that might happen to. but realistically it's not not a lot of uh premier names maybe i'm just super underrating uh shane victorino but i don't really he doesn't really scream hall of fame to me um in any sense of the word so i think that he might be one of those guys that might get booted oh I, yeah i think i think hunter and burley will be the only two to stay on um i think every, uh, everyone yeah. else is gonna go uh there was one stat i saw about andrew jones that he is one of the only players in MLB history to have, I think, 10 um, seasons with 25 home runs and 25 defensive runs um, stopped. Like, just absolutely insane numbers. And, Klaus, yeah. as you said, that that's just contributing to this incredibly high defensive war. Yeah, hey, Klaus, and you were comparing uh, Andrew Jones and Torrey Hunter's offensive ability, um, saying they were, like, pretty much the same, but I, like, disagree. I think Andrew Jones was – like without a doubt, like the better offensive player. I think he had more pop and his OPS is like 60 or 70 points higher too. So, I mean, I just think that uh, he's all around uh, a better player. So yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think you can get Torrey Hunter in without Andrew Jones. Um, yeah. I think it's just like that. Andrew Jones is such a better player um, all around. So I think giving Torrey Hunter the respect and not giving it to Andrew Jones just wouldn't be right. Um, so the other guy that I think is going to stay on is Aramis Ramirez. Um, 
third baseman, definitely not getting a lot of respect, um, you know, played in kind of the era where third base, you know, he kind of, kind of went under the radar really. Um, you know, he, yeah, played, for the, he played for completely. some pretty quiet teams. Um, and he was a really solid third baseman, um, you know, especially with the bat. I don't think he was great in the field, but with his bat, you know, he had a couple of 30 home run seasons. Um, so I think he'll be able to, to slide on and just stay above that 10%. Yeah. I don't think he's a hall of famer, but I, I agree with you that I could definitely see him um, sticking around. I have a quick question for you guys. How would yeah. you guys feel if the only two steroid users or people or guys that are associated with steroids to get into the uh, hall of fame are Barry Bonds and Clemens and everybody else is out? Um, well, personally, again, like, as I said, I feel like at least if I'm a voter and I'm like, I look at it this way. If, if someone's asking me who I voted for and I tell them, Oh, I only voted for like steroid user wise. I only voted for Clemens and bonds. And they asked me, well, like, why not Sosa? I feel like I can't make a good enough argument for that because um, he did put up hall of fame numbers. He had, uh, you know, over 500 career home runs. Um, yeah. Over 600, 609. Uh, he hit 273. Uh, 2,400 career hits. Um, so I, you know, unfortunately I think that is what's going to happen, but uh, I think it's, it's not, it's not how it should be. Yeah. The I, argument I would make for that is just that there, and it's going to be quick for you, Clausen. There, there's work. so much better like accolades wise and career wise, like than anybody else, like Clemens has seven Cy Youngs in bonds, like right. has the most career home runs of all time. Like, right. I just think that there's so much better. That if anybody's going to get in, it's going to be those two. That's that's fair. That's definitely fair. Yeah, I think um, the vote the voters seem to hate Sammy Sosa for some reason. Um, you know, Barry Bonds is at sixty percent, and Sammy Sosa is at like thirteen, um, and he's gone from like ten. He's gone from like ten to thirteen. Like he hasn't really moved at all. Um, but I don't think so. Um, I don't think Bonds ever really. I mean, it was pretty obvious that he took steroids, but he never came out. And was like, yeah, I took steroids where Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire both came out and said, you know, yeah, I intentionally took steroids to get better. Um, I'm pretty sure Schilling did this or not Schilling. Um, Clemens did the same thing. He had that whole trial um, about yeah. it. But um, I think for Bonds, like Bonds is really one of the like premier players in the game. Um, easily the most feared hitter um, in MLB history, in my opinion. Um, like when you look at his numbers, you know, with the Pirates, he was good. But when you go to San Francisco and he was hitting, you know, 60, 70 home runs, he was literally only getting up to bat to either get walked or hit a home run. Um, like his average was through the roof. Like he was hitting the year he hit 73 home runs. He had like a 330 average and he had like 170 walks. Like yeah. it just doesn't happen. Um, so I think Barry Bonds definitely deserves it just to maybe not deserves it, but should get in just for baseball history. Um, and then I think Roger Clemens too, he was just such a dominant pitcher. Um, but the rest of them, I think where they came out and said that they used steroids, like Mark McGuire definitely came out and said it. Um, Sammy shows the same thing. I think that voters kind of get turned off by that. Um, so I don't know that those two does, should get in, but I think bonds and Clemens just because of the impact they made on the game should get in. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I want to throw out real quick. Um, over a four season span, Barry Bonds was intentionally walked 45 times and had a on-base percentage of 559 over four seasons. So, yeah, I have one other just insane stat I want to add on that. And then I have 
um, something else I want to say about Sosa. So in 2004, Barry Bonds was walked 232 times, um, and he appeared at the plate 617 times, which means that um, if he hadn't gotten a hit all year, his on-base percentage uh, still would have been 376, which is absolutely insane. Uh, Like, guys, most guys these days barely put up a 376 on-base percentage. Yeah, can't even touch those numbers. Um, So, I mean – the guy was just, uh, you know, in a league of his own uh, and, you know, a 444 career on base percentage. That's um, insane. Yeah. Now, the thing I want to say about Sosa here, um, I think it was you, Clausen, saying that the voters have had something against him. I think voters in most awards have had something against him for years. I was just looking at the, the 1995, uh, 1999 MVP award voting. Oh, yeah. I, I legitimately, there must be some reason behind this because I don't understand it. Sosa hit 63 home runs and 141 RBIs with a 288 batting average and finished ninth in MVP voting. I think if somebody did that next year, they would get every single vote in the MVP voting. Well, that's the thing. Uh, like a guy like Greg Vaughn finished fourth and he had 19 home runs less than Sosa. 23 RBIs less and hit almost 40 points less. And he finished uh, five places higher in vote. So again, it's just things like that. Like what year uh, was that? Uh, 1999. Um, I mean, McGuire was the only one who uh, hit more home runs than him. And in fact, he finished fifth. So who won that year? Uh, Chipper Jones. All right. Uh, 45 home runs, 110 RBIs. Uh, I mean, he had some speed there too, 25 stolen bases and hit 319 with a, a 1.074 OPS. So very well-rounded. Um, but even, I feel like in the nineties voters were mostly just looking at those three categories. It's not like today where they have all these fancy um, defense, defensive metrics, um, you know, weighing all these things. It was basically just like, Oh, who he like, he had the most home runs. He had this, he had that. Like, I'll just vote for him. So, Sosa did win the MVP in 1998, and I do think voter fatigue is a thing. Yeah. So maybe they were just uh, looking to get somebody new in. Yeah, so this, possibly. This is something that might go for Chipper Jones that year. The Braves won 103 games and made it to the World Series against the Yankees. So that whole Braves team was clearly stacked, and it sounds like Chipper Jones was the leader of that team. Um, yeah. So if wins are important for the voters, then um, you kind of can't deny – the Chipper Jones was a huge part of that. No, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even like saying because again, I didn't, I didn't watch every game. I wasn't alive, so um, <laughs> I mean, again, like I'm not even saying that he should have won, but like ninth place is ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, pretty disrespectful. Runs and not even, like, it's not even like he hit 200. Um, but anyway, I have one other uh, kind of bold take here about the ballot. So I, uh, I know I said earlier that I could see none of these guys getting in this year. Uh, and I think there might be a good reason for that. Um, and that's because the voters might not want to include, um, you know, Barry Bonds and Kurt, or not personally, uh, Roger Clemens in a class with Derek Jeter. I feel like all these voters hold Derek Jeter into a league of their own. I know, Steve, you are about to go on a little tirade on Jeter here. Oh, dude, um, I'm pulling up some numbers right yeah, now. <laughs> no, I mean, I do not listen. Like, again, we're all Red Sox fans. I just do not understand the lore behind him. I don't know if it's because he has five rings. 
don't know if it's because he like could just slap the ball to right field and it like 50 feet every time and it would slowly trickle into the outfield and he just made it. So I, I think I've got something like Derek Jeter is clearly one of like the outside of like the whole Jeter packages thing, which yeah. I think like it, he gets so much more respect for that in my mind than probably anybody else on the planet. Like that's a stud move, yeah. but like where he was like the face. So the Yankees are obviously the most famous team in baseball. He's the face of it. He's like the nicest guy on the planet, like clean cut, never had any problems. Um, clearly had some stuff behind the scenes, love the Jeter packages again. Um, but like where he was kind of such like a good face for baseball. Um, I think that's why he got so much extra recognition. Like obviously one of the better shortstops of all time. Um, maybe Steve will have something to say about that, <laughs> but um, I think where he just had, like, if he was on like the, I don't know, pick any small market team, the, you know, Milwaukee Brewers or something like, if he's playing in some, Mm. the Oakland A's, like if he's playing somewhere just that doesn't get a lot of media attention, he's probably not this popular, but where he was the face of the Yankees, um, he got such global attention and he won so many rings. Like, I think he's just kind of like the golden boy for baseball. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah, when you get picked to an all-star game in your last season, when you, when you were hitting like 240 with three home runs at the time, like people, people obviously love him. Uh, so, Steve, I don't know if you're, uh, you're ready. To All right. Here. So, in my opinion, Derek Jeter is, like, by far the most overrated player in MLB history. I'm not saying that he's bad by any means. He's totally not. He still was, like, a, he's a great player for sure, a Hall of Famer for sure. Is he the greatest shortstop of all time? Not even close. Was he the best shortstop on his team for a lot of his career? No, he wasn't. Was he the face of the Yankees? Yeah. Did he win five rings? Yeah. That's why he is Derek Jeter. And that's why people hold him in such a high regard. I mean, like this guy is all longevity. He's all longevity stats. Like he, if you look at his numbers year to year, nothing really sticks out to you. I'm pretty sure I have more defensive runs saved than he technically does. So, I mean, I just think that um, I totally think you're right, Gardner, in that like the voters are going to care about Derek Jeter and whether Derek Jeter is like on the same platform as Barry Bonds for the ceremony. But like this guy is just so overrated. Like Nomar, when he was prime on the Red Sox was a better shortstop. He was the best shortstop in the division. And people are saying like Derek Jeter is a, like the best baseball player of all time. Like get out of here with that. No, he's not even close. He's like barely even a top four shortstop of all time. Like he's not better than so many guys. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I just have a personal bias, but Derek Jeter is so just like not worth the hype around him. So Steve, can you give me like off the cuff, your top, like who are the shortstops of all time better than Derek Jeter? Ozzie Smith. A-Rod if you take away steroids, but, like, I guess I won't. That's kind of uh, a big if. Yeah. And he right. also didn't play shortstop his whole career. Yeah, you know, but he should have. When he got traded to the Yankees, they sh- totally should have had him at short, but Derek Jeter would have thrown. I don't think Derek Jeter's there. arm could have gotten it. Yeah, Derek Jeter right, would not. You're would totally have been a horrible right. Derek Jeter had to go to second base. Anyway, Ozzie Smith, uh, Cal Ripken, uh, you could say, like, Ernie Banks. I mean, like, and Andalart can never say his name simmons free agent used to be on the uh angels last year like and simmons yeah 
way better shortstop defensively than Derek Jeter. Like, so, and I'm sure like their offensive metrics aren't even that far off. Cause I don't think Derek Jeter was that great offensively either. You can make a case for Barry Larkin too, if you really wanted to. I mean, yeah, if Nomar never left Boston, he would be um, a better all time shortstop than Derek Jeter too. And I know that's a big if, but if Nomar never left Boston, he would not have dropped off so badly. So, Steve, I want to I want to circle back a little bit here. Are you telling me that Angelton Simmons and Derek Jeter are on the same wavelength at shortstop? I think if you, I, I want to get this for the record, in, in the same situation that you put Derek Jeter in, then it, I don't know if the Yankees don't win five rings. So you're telling That's me all. that for all those years, you take Angelton Simmons and put him at shortstop and take Derek Jeter out, they're winning five rings. I'm not. I don't. I don't know if they win five rings, but I definitely don't know if they don't win five rings too. You know, I mean, like Derek Jeter did not have to fly into the stands like he did during that play. He caught the ball, took like six steps, and then tossed himself eight rows deep. Like, come on, guy. I know you're in New York, but you don't got to show off like that. Can I just say that I completely agree with you up until that take because personally, I think (laughs) I think Andrew Simmons is the most overrated player in baseball right now. Defensively, he might be the greatest player of all time. All right, but d- defensively doesn't match up to how, like, it, you can't put a whole team of defensive players in and right. win a bunch of right. games. But, like, uh, Jeter's offensive stats were good for, like, a couple years. Like, he had over 300, but uh, I don't know. And I, I think that the rest of the Yankees might have been able to uh, still pull out. Like, Well, that's the thing is those teams were, like, just stacked. I mean, yeah. So it's like, I don't know if it's as significant enough of a downgrade between Jeter and Simmons that they don't win at least like three rings, you know? Uh, yeah. It's unreal. I mean, very we, we don't even have a Twitter account. We're already beefing with Derek Jeter. <laughs> Dude, Derek Jeter, man. I don't know. Well, one thing I want to like kind of uh, circle back to and just talk on a little bit more um, quickly was the stage, you know, Clawson, you said that Jeter is like just so beloved uh, by writers. I mean, most of the guys voting for the Hall of Fame, like, are like 90 years old. They have been around for forever, writing for, you know, the Daily Gazette for 800 years. And they love Derek Jeter because he played the game the right way. Uh, Got up, he swung the bat, walked to first base. You know, no words came out of his mouth, no celebrations. Like, he just Played it so simplistic, like all these old writers love. Um, and I think that's exactly why in a year where he was supposed to be um, inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, this past summer, but because of COVID, he wasn't. Um, I don't think they're going to want to put Barry Bonds in the same stage as Derek Jeter. Now, if they did, I would find it unbelievably hilarious. And um, Me too. I would love to see that. I would love to see that, as well as Kurt Schilling, because Kurt Schilling – hates Barry Bonds um and who doesn't Kurt Schilling hate you know that's a good question I'm sure he's already got some beef on us um but between Schilling Bonds and Jeter I think like that would be awesome like there would be some amazing stories come out that weekend electricity in the air yeah I I see what you mean Gardner I think like if you just picture that stage like golden boy Derek Jeter sitting next to um Kurt Schilling, who hates everybody, and then two massive steroid users. Like, I feel like the some writer would definitely have like a heart attack and just keel over right in the stands. Like, it. 
I see what you mean. Um, I hope they're not that like strict about like all that kind of stuff, but I, I definitely could see, um, I definitely could see those writers being like, yeah, I don't want my golden boy, Derek Jeter, um, sitting next to those three. No, they're, they're definitely going to be petty about it. That's the thing. And I think there are a couple guys who haven't voted for Jeter or not Jeter, uh, Bonds, and they only will in his 10th year. So they could have just made him wait 10 years. Like that was their like grudge on him. Like you're all a famer, but I'm going to make you wait as long as you can for it. Um, there are definitely a few voters because, um, you know, he's been bumping up a little bit, but uh, there's no, like, I, I think, I think that, I think that he's eventually going to get the call, but I think year 10 is when it happens. I don't think um, that Clemens and Bonds get in this year. Like, as Clawson said, I think Schilling, if anybody gets in, it's going to be Schilling. Yeah, he's right there. He needs 5% of the vote. Yeah. Um, and with such a weak class, I don't think that's hard to get. Um. Any other uh, closing thoughts on the ballot? I think we've had a, a really good discussion here. So I want to know what you guys think of Manny Ramirez. Do you think he's going to get in? Now. Eventually or right now? Eventually. I don't know how many uh, years he has left, but he's at like 30-something percent of his vote. Does he make a take on that without first seeing what happens with Bonds and Clemens? You know? That's I agree. Fair. If we, If we're looking purely at numbers, he absolutely does deserve to get in. But yeah. Again, as Steve said, the writers just they're they're personal. And as I mean, in a big situation like this, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to dive more into it. But if Bonds and uh, Clemens get in, there's zero reasons why Manny shouldn't. Um, Agree. So uh, we're gonna move into our kind of like final talk here. A couple of miscellaneous items. Uh, we will start with a couple signings. Um, Marcus Stroman accepting his qualifying offer for the Mets. Um, and their new owner, Steve Cohen, uh, obviously going in uh, full with the new team. How do you guys feel about that? Hey, who knows? Maybe the Mets will uh, be good again. I I doubt it, but who knows? I like that they're trying. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting because I thought when Stroman opted out of the season, I thought he was just like done for the, with the Mets. Um, but you know, when when you get eighteen million dollars just to, to come back for a year. Uh, I think he made the smart move, but uh, I think I th- I don't think this means that they won't go after other guys like Trevor Bauer, as I said last episode. I'm sticking true to that. I think Trevor Bauer's going to the Mets. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what else happens there. And I think Steve Cohen's definitely got the bank account to do it. Um, he's worth like $14 billion, um, and I don't think he's afraid to spend it. Um, I think he came out and was like, I don't want my Mets to be the second best team in New York anymore. So um, I think if there's anybody who has any interest in the Mets, he's going to throw as much money as he can at them um, and try and put a, a solid team together. So I definitely don't think that this is the last we're going to see of the Mets. Um, I think they've got a ways to go this offseason. Yeah. And speaking of the Mets, uh, some Tim Tebow talk about making their own oh, boss. Yeah. And you want to bring that up? Um, so in my preemptive research for this podcast, um, I saw a little Fox News article saying Tim Tebow is still going for the Mets in 2021 um he's 33 years old and i think he struck out the most times in triple a history um i mean the man doesn't hit the ball like he doesn't put the ball in play either gets a hit or strikes out um but he's in triple a so um you know anything can happen we're going into 2021 we'll see what happens um i'm rooting for him though yeah i, I hope need it's some tebow time times. in new york yeah i gotta disagree with you i don't want to see him on the mets at all <laughs> i just 
I, I feel like that was uh, at least with their new owner that I don't, I don't think he's going to do that. I think he wants to set a new precedent that they're not like the meme team of New York anymore. And they're not going to have, uh, you know, Tim Tebow, ex NFL quarterback playing for the team when he's hit like low two hundreds in the minors. But again, who knows? It would be certainly be hilarious. Uh, so we will, uh, we'll see what happens there. And then Steve, I don't know if you have anything else on that. I would just love for the Mets to be better than the Yankees because it just hurts Yankee fans so much. I would just love it. It's awesome. Crushes their soul more than it does when the Red Sox are better. Um, Seriously. And then Mike Clevenger. So, I mean, the Padres, speaking of a meme team, the Padres have not been uh, not been the, the team to look up to for a while. However, this last year they were really, really good. But uh, I kind of question this move. So Mike Clevenger – they trade for him. He makes a couple starts and then gets hurt. Uh, comes out that he's going to need Tommy John surgery. I don't know what happened first. The news kind of broke at the same time, but they also signed him to a two-year extension, uh, which basically just bought out his arbitration years. Uh, so basically they will just have him for 2022 and then go from there. Uh, so Steve, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on Clevenger. Uh, I think that it was a good move for the Padres to acquire him. And I think it was a good move to, uh, buy him out of his arbitration. It's unfortunate that he, uh, is getting Tommy John. So that might push back, uh, the Padres world series timeline a little bit, but I don't think it's going to affect them too, too much as a team. Yeah. I gotta say the same, uh, Padres. I mean, the thing that's going to put the Padres over the top is their pitching. Um, so walking a guy like Clevenger down is going to, gonna help him out for an extra couple of years so i'm all for it go padres yeah i completely agree i mean i really i really like seeing them play i love tatis he was so much fun to watch and yeah they've shown that they're willing to spend money they sh- uh i think it was around 2014 where they went all out and they signed like everybody and it didn't work out at all like james shields will myers and they had to trade all of them off but they okay. said myers but um you know they have hosmer tatis uh, Machado, obviously. So I think that they're one pitcher away in 2022 of being a serious threat to win the NL West. Um, and who knows, maybe even the pennant. Yeah, maybe. They're a young team, exciting team. Exactly. Um, and then the big news of the week, not even in the MLB, just within all of sports, Kim Ng, uh, speaking of Derek Jeter, hired by Derek Jeter, uh, to be the Marlins general manager, which I think is awesome. First female GM, not only in the MLB, but in all of sports. Such a great example for, um, you know, women everywhere. So the Marlins are setting, uh, setting a new precedent. I think it's really cool to see. Um, we'll see how that turns out on the field, but they've got, uh, they've got some good product to work with. And she's got a lot of experience, especially with the Yankees. She knows Jeter. So I think it was a really, really awesome move by the uh, Marlins and obviously they would not have hired her if they hadn't felt that she's ready for the job. So. Yeah. From everything I heard about her, it was one of those, like she would have been hired five years ago if she wasn't a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell you one thing, if Anderson Simmons was the owner of the Marlins, he would not be signing Kim Ng. So um, I'll give Derek Jeter another, another point there over Anderson Simmons. Hey man, and I don't know if you can guarantee <laughs> that to be honest. I don't, I don't have much faith in Anderson Simmons as a, uh, at the plate, nonetheless, as an owner of a baseball team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Marlins on the up and up. Great move for them. 
especially if uh, what you said is true, Klaus, and if like the only thing that was previously holding her back from assuming the position anyway was just her gender. So like great move. I'm sure she, hopefully she does a great job uh, and uh, holds the position for a while. Uh, set a good example, let other uh, young girls look up to her. Hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, just keep expanding everything. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. Uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely more to come. And I think that's just a, another barrier that needed to be broken. Um, and then speaking of another general manager in the MLB, who we all have ties to Theo Epstein about 30 minutes ago, announcing that he is stepping down as the Cubs GM. And I think that we had mentioned this maybe in episode one, that it was, uh, you know, it was looking likely that this was going to happen. Um, I don't, I, I, you know, he did his job. He, he broke the curse of, uh, of uh, the Cubs. He broke it for the Red Sox. So um, he's going to, he'll definitely end up somewhere. I don't know where, but um, not too surprising. Yeah, he's a good general manager. He did the job in Boston. He did the job in Chicago. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, it was seeming like he was kind of feeling dumb with Chicago, like where they're not um, as good as they were in 2016 and they could head for a rebuild. Like they might trade Chris Bryant. Um, the rest of the, like, they might just kind of unload. Um, he probably didn't want to deal with, you know, tearing them down and building them back up um, again. So I guess I can't blame him. He'll find another spot um, and he'll do it again somewhere. So yeah. at least does the same thing over and over again. He'll uh, deplete your farm a little bit, but he'll get you a world series and then he'll head out and do the same thing to the next team. Sounds yeah. Like Derek Jeter with his uh, Jeter packages. <laughs> yep exactly uh yeah i think the cubs are at a really interesting spot right now they're definitely at a crossroads um they can either replenish and you know try and sign a pitcher or two or just completely tear it down uh you know john lester their ace who was um, one of the staples in that 2016 team he's he's gone um and Chris Bryant is also looking more and more likely every day that he'll get traded out of Chicago. So I think it's going to be interesting, especially when a new GM comes in. If, if David Ross, another guy I love, if he doesn't do a good job this year, I could definitely see uh, his job under, uh, under some scrutiny again. But yeah, Theo Epstein, he'll end up, you know, I could see him going to a place like Kansas City or like Arizona, somewhere like that. I don't know who their GMs are right now. Um, but, you know, just another kind of a smaller market team where you can just build it up. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts here. Um, yeah, we had a lot of good talk here. Uh, Nomar was better than Jeter. That's my closing thought. Um, I have two closing thoughts. Um, Derek Jeter still remains much, much, much better than Andrew Thin Simmons. Um, <laughs> and I am definitely pulling for Tebow time in New York, if he makes it up and he makes somewhat of an impact, um, expect a Tim Tebow Jersey in the mail addressed to me. Um, other than that, I got nothing. Nice. Nice. Um, I'm going to end it with saying two things. Um, I want to see Barry Bonds on the same stage as Derek Jeter. In fact, I need to see Barry Bonds on the same uh, stage as Derek Jeter. And if Kurt Schilling can be up there too, like just a chef's kiss right there. Um, also, Andrelton Simmons, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Uh, he's the most overrated player in baseball, in my opinion. Dude, potentially the best defensive player of all time. All right, but like, there's a, there's a hole in that bat. Like, he can't hit. Hey, man, that's just what the people say. True, like, true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so anyway, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be back week, next week with episode four. Um, 
and yeah, 